You know, kids are wonderful. They're wonderful creatures. Many times when you're traveling with them, they're always anticipating as to where you will be going. One of the most annoying questions that kids often ask when you're traveling with them is they're always asking you, Mom, Dad, are we there yet? (laughs) Are we there yet? They even made a movie out of that, uh, using that line, are we there yet, starting with, I believe, Ice Cube in them. And so today, that's what we're going to talk about. We are going to talk about our journey of faith, our journey of faith, our journey with this church. I know many of you grew up in this church, and so we want to hear your stories. And at the same time, also want to kind of talk about whether or not we are there yet. Are we there where God wants us to be? And not only that, I kind of want to contemplate on the question as to where do we go from here? As we approach the year 2020, there may be many difficult questions that we may have to tackle, that we may have to ask ourselves. How do we grow our church? How do we bring, how do we disciple the children of our church? What does it mean to be a disciple here within our church? What does it mean to evangelize? What is it that we need to focus our resources, our time, and our energy on in order for us to continue to grow our church, in order for us to continue to lead people to Jesus Christ? We need to start examining the things in which we do, every single program in which we have at this church. Is there a purpose to continue it? Every single program that we have, Does it fulfill the purpose of the United Methodist Church? Does it fulfill that purpose in which we are to make disciples for the transformation of this world? And so in here, as as the year 2020 comes along, those are things that I will be talking to us about. Things in which I often observe the church based upon. What are the steps that are necessary for us to lead our children so that we don't lose them? the next 10 to 15 years. Oftentimes we forget about our children. We, we focus a lot about the things that we do here in worship, but many times we forget about discipleship, and so we lose many of our children. Many of them go off to college to never come back. Even here in our church, many of our young adults who have gone off to college, they do not come back. And so we need to question ourselves What is it that we're doing, and how can we change that? An article came out in 2017 by the Washington Post. And in that article, it says that unless we are able to reverse the trend of the church, of the mainstream American Protestant denominations, then by the year 2039 to 2040, the mainstream Protestant church will no longer be active. It will be dead. And so these are, these are challenges that we're going to have to face. These are challenges that we are going to have to question ourselves and really examine ourselves as to what we need to do. Are we heading towards the direction in which our Lord Jesus Christ has set for us as a church? We know that when many of us have probably heard about the potential split of the United Methodist Church. We know that the last 10 years or so we've lost about 20% of our Anglo congregation, it's about 2 million people of our Anglo population or, or membership inside the United Methodist Church. And even though the minority churches are growing here in the United States, even though the minority churches are growing overseas, for some reason, 
our Anglo churches are constantly, constantly losing members. And so we have to question ourselves, so we need to examine ourselves and challenge ourselves. And if we do end up splitting here in 2020, how is that going to affect our churches? I believe that if we do end up splitting here in 2020, it's only going to accelerate the loss of membership within our churches. And so these are things that we're going to have to deal with as we approach this new coming year. But we can also deal with it with tremendous joy knowing that Jesus Christ is with us. And no matter the challenges that we may face, that Christ will lead us and he will not allow his church to die. He will lift us up in times of much difficulty. My own personal journey began before I was born in 1974. My older sister, three years older than I was, she was born in Laos in 1974. At the age of three months, she passed away, my parents' first child. From then until the time I was born, they were praying and doing all the the animistic rituals in order to have another child. For three years, they did not have any children. Until they arrived in Thailand, until after they crossed the Mekong River to arrive in Thailand in a refugee camp called Sotua in Thailand. It was there where I was born. I was born in a refugee camp in 1977. I was very ill as a child. The doctors there, we didn't have, we didn't have enough medic, medical help there, medical assistance there to help. The doctors, the nurses there in the, at the refugee camp said that I was going to die, that I was not going to survive as a child. And yet, my, my parents, through desperation, decided that they needed to convert to Christianity to see if their son would, would make it. And so they did. That's what they did. They converted into Christianity. They called the church to come. They prayed for me, and the, our family converted into Christianity at that time. After we converted, I began to become better, and I started to heal from the illnesses that I had at that time as a child, and I survived at that time. And so they offered me up to God. As their oldest son, they offered me up to God, to do God's will. And that's where my journey started, was in that camp many, many years ago. And I grew up in the, I grew up in the Christian and Missionary Alliance Church. I came here in the, in, the, uh, in the United Methodist Church about 2014. I was a member of the Mersville United Methodist Church for about a year, for about two years. After my first year, I entered into the pastoral candidacy program here in our United Methodist Church. And after that, after a year of being in that program, they sent me here and they appointed me here to, the, to our church here. And they appointed Pastor Bob to be my mentor because I was new to the United Methodist Church. And so Pastor Bob was here with me. And so since 2016, September of 2016, I've been a part of our church here. And for those first two years, I learned many, many great things from Pastor Bob as he taught me about many of the traditions and liturgies and things of that sort with the United Methodist Church. Many of you who work with me will probably notice I'm not, that I'm not much of a traditionalist. I don't follow the lectionary as close as I need to because I didn't grow up in that environment. I'm not, I'm not someone who follows the liturgy as much as the United Methodist Church. I am someone who is more spontaneous in the way that I worship. That's the way I grew up. That's my background. That's my training in the United Methodist and the Christian and Missionary Alliance Church. And so I'm more, you know, the way that I do worship is more spontaneous than it is 
uh, following a liturgy. Uh, I come from a more contemporary worship background than a traditional worship background. And so one of the things throughout my journey with us here at this church, some of the tough times and some of the difficult things that we've had to deal with was the oral dam issue. My very first year here, after a couple months actually, we had the issue with the oral dam, oral dam and everybody had to evacuate. And it was a difficult, difficult time for me at that time. And I, I remember our district superintendent at that time calling me up and uh, asking me to put a plan together for our church. And I had no idea what, what we were supposed to do. But we did something, all right? We did something and then I called everybody and then we lost Susan. I couldn't get a contact with Susan for a couple of weeks. And so we, we were so afraid for her. We, we didn't know where she was. But I was able to call everybody, find out where everybody else was at. And many of the moms, I was able to contact them. And we were able to find a place for them to go stay at the Chico Church uh, for a couple of nights as um, we had to deal with this or damn issue. And I myself had to go to El Grove to stay at my, at my cousin's house for uh, two or three days over there. And then, of course, we had the fire in paradise that we had to deal with. It was a time of great concern for us here in this area. All of the pastors, along with the bishop and the DS, Blake, uh, Blake at that time, Blake became the, Blake was the DS at that time, and we all gathered together in Chico to pray for our, our area here and to put a plan together to help our area here. We've also dealt with many of our church members passing away for the last few years that I've been here. The first person to pass away, unfortunately, was a young man who joined the Army at that time, and his name was Stephen Vang, the very first person to, to pass away since I, uh, when I joined our church. And so it was an unfortunate uh, time, it was a tough, difficult time for Stephen and also for their family. That morning, I, rem I remember the Paradise Police Department calling me and asking me if I knew who Stephen was. I had no idea who Stephen was because I was new at that time. And they told me that Stephen is a, is a member of your church. And they gave me the name of Stephen's brother, who, was a, who is a police officer up in Paradise. But I had no idea who Chunbury was at that time either. I've been here, part of this church for about three months only. And I didn't, at that time, I was not very involved with the Hmong congregation, and so when they brought up these, these names, I, I really had no idea who they, who, who they were. And so um, I called Pastor Chakua, who was with us at that time, and we, we went over to their house. And I, I didn't even know that he was Pastor Chakua's nephew. And I only found out when I talked to Pastor Chakua on the phone, and I said, Pastor, have you, do you know if your Hmong congregation, do you know if they've been, anybody in the Hmong congregation have been looking for their child, Stephen? And he says, yes, that is my nephew, and we've been looking for him. He, he's, he's been missing for a day or so. And so um, they finally found him. And so that's why the police department called me, and um, we went over there to, to um, calm, calm in his parents' house, and we went to pray for them. We went over there to meet the police who came over there and to, to give the news to the family. And that's one of the most difficult Things that I had to do was to, um, was to be a part of that, to give the news to the family that their son, and, uh, I believe he was one, one of the youngest of nine brothers, and he passed away. And so we had to give that news to the family. It's one of the most difficult times that I had to do, uh, that I had to go through. But then there's some, also some good times, that good times that we've had here at this church. 
praying with all of our young couples. Many of our young couples, like, um, like Nan and Tyler, with uh, Sang and Cindy. You know, I came here and none of them had any babies. I can't, you know, I got here and all of them have a baby now. So <laughs> that's tremendous. And that's something for us to really celebrate. Just a time of great joy, you know. Uh, and, you know, they, they think that I have this supernatural power, <laughs> but I don't. I mean, I just pray for them. You know, I just pray for them, ask God to bless them. And, you know, uh, you know they, they, they've been married for, they've been married for a long time and they've never had a child. Um, yeah, and she says becoming a Lord too. So, yeah, so just being able to celebrate their, um, you know, their, 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 their children with them and things like that, it's been a tremendous joy. You know, celebrating Christmas Eve service with all of us at this church. We probably noticed that one of the things is that Christmas Eve service is not really a tradition of our, our Hmong congregation. They, they're used to just spending time with their own family. And one of the things that we're trying to do is to uh, be able to invite them to be a part of our Christmas Eve service. And one of the things that I, I said to them this morning was, whatever we do with the family, let us do that um, before seven o'clock. And make sure that we're here at church at 7 o'clock to, to celebrate Christmas Eve with the entire church because the church is also our family. And of course, all the times that we worship together, all the potlucks that we've had, one of the uh, great memories that I have uh, here at this church was the children's fair. Uh, we've only had one children's fair since I've been here, but that was one of the great memories that I have, one of the great joy that I had was just being here, seeing all the children coming to the church and just uh, having the fear and having, seeing all the joy and all, with all of our children. Of course, spending time with our children. I mean, many of them are very naughty, right? They run around the church. They run around everywhere. <laughs> but it's, it's always a tremendous joy just to hear their laughters and things of that sort. And so it's, it's, it's a great thing. And uh, one of the things that we try to work on with Tracy, who is our Sunday school director, is trying to disciple them and helping them grow up in the faith. And hopefully we don't, we don't want to lose any of them as they grow up. And that's one of the challenges in which we, are, we often face as the church is that uh, many times when we fail to disciple them, they go out into the world and we lose them. And so we don't want to lose them. So yes, this, is, you know, this is pretty much you know, my story, my journey with the church. And so I just want to invite anybody, you know, a couple of you guys, if anybody would be interested in just sharing your, your journey, sharing your story with us today. You know, your journey with this church. So, yeah, feel free to... Can, you, can we get the microphone up here, too? A couple of you. I'm only going to share... I'm going to... Uh, just share our beginning experiences as a, as a Methodist. Um, when Wayne and I were first married, uh, he went right into the, it was during the Vietnam uh, era, and he was stationed in Killeen, Texas at Fort Hood. And so, since we're from different um, religious backgrounds, we decided as a married couple we were going to uh, choose a church that we both liked. And so we went to the United Methodist Church there in, in Colleen, and then the pastor came to give us a pastoral, pastoral visit. And we had a kitchen table, one chair, one overstuffed chair, and um, a barrel with a cushion on top of it. So when the pastor came to call on us, we were just about to have dinner, he said, oh, that's okay, I'll just sit with you. But he didn't know we really didn't have 
that many chairs. And so um, Wayne, I took a chair, Wayne took the barrel, and we pushed in the over, overstuffed chair up to our table. And so we had a lovely visit with him. And what we loved about the Methodist Church there in Texas, and we find here as well, is what an accepting um, group the Methodists are. And they make you feel welcome, and they help you along your way with your search toward learning more about Christ. And we made so many friends there with other Army couples, and it was a wonderful experience for us. Thank you, Bill. I was baptized by Reverend Silverthorne, who had married my mother and father in the Stanford Chapel. And uh, he was a Methodist pastor. And from that day on, I've been a member of the Methodist Church and have gone through the Sunday school. My mother tells me about a time when I had a little black baby doll and she was black, and this was in the time when we um, <laughs> didn't, we, 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 we weren't very accustomed to having other people in our churches, but I had been given a little poem to read, in, or I, I memorized it, I think, and I stood up in front of the Sunday school and, and said this little poem about my little black baby. And I always kind of think that was the start of something that helped me to understand that all, all cultures are good and all cultures come, of, come from God. And, um, and then I went on to play the piano for Sunday school and be in MYFs and go to camps and, and eventually moved to this church in 1962 and have been active here ever since. And, and I will die a Methodist. Thank you. We have time for one or two more stories. Anybody want to share their stories with us? Well, Lynn just pointed out to me that I'm probably the only one that's here that was born into this church. Jolene, was, were you here at this church? No. Born at this church? You said Sanford Chapel, so I thought, huh? Oh, anyway. So my journey with this church is as old as I am. And um, <clears throat> grew up in the church. We had five, five children. I think it was in 1957 or something like that. We were named Family of the Year, and there's a picture somewhere in the archives of us all together. But um, like a lot of teenagers, when I turned 18 and was kind of all on my own, I kind of didn't attend like I should have. I would come Easter, Christmas, or when my parents thought I should come <laughs> or whatever, because we had to go to church every day, every Sunday, not every day, but every Sunday. Our, my parents' life folk was focused pretty much around church. I was in MYF. Uh, my parents were in a, a group called Tri-M, which was a, at that time, they were young, and that was the early 60s when the dam was being built and stuff, and so they, we had a pastor that, um, Reverend Bunch, that... Uh, 
was very adventurous and we'd go on all kinds of hikes and stuff like that. But anyway, I came, I kind of didn't attend very uh, regularly until I was about 30. And my dad passed away and I decided, my mom can't be sitting here in the pew without my dad, so I have to come. And that kind of got me coming back to church and been here ever since. So I love this church. It's my church family. And I, I grew up in the old church downtown and love that church and miss it. But this is a beautiful church, and I love the people here, and I'll be here forever. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, really? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's wonderful. Wow. We have time for one more story. These stories are very inspiring and, and wonderful. And so we have time for one more story. Anybody want to share? John, okay. Oh, I see. Okay. That's... Oh, wow. That's wonderful stories. Okay. I, I first uh, started attending when I was in kindergarten, so I wasn't born in it, <laughs> although my parents were Methodist. And uh, that was a church downtown. And uh, I started going, Randy was in Sunday school, or uh, nursery, I believe. <laughs> and uh, as the years went by, I grew up through the Sunday school. And I guess about, um, I was in youth group and all. About When I was a sophomore, I think they moved here to this church. And I, I, I do remember the Messerschmitts when they came. Crystal, just a very tiny little girl, and her brother's a little bit older. And um, I, I, I didn't know any of them all that well because they were a little bit younger than me, probably. And then, of course, uh, kind of like Betty, when I went off to college, I didn't attend for a number of years. Then, then I came back, and now I, I guess I'm in somewhat of a leadership role. Uh, I, first committee I ever served on was the Board of Trustees which really wasn't a fit for me. <laughs> but, but then uh, when Kim Leslie was here, he got me involved in the finances of the church. So that's how it went, and um, I've always loved it. Thank you. All right, thank you so much for all the stories uh, today. It's great to hear um, your journey of faith and your journey here um, as being part of this church. And uh, as we continue to you know, go on this journey together. I pray that we'll continue to support our church and help our church grow and help disciple our, many of the children that we have in our church many, and many of the youth that we also have in our church. And so I look forward to having a successful ministry here at our United Methodist Church. And so thank you so much for all the stories today. And at this time,